Welcome to Psyched by MG. This is Mary Grace Randazzo Ratliff, or MG for short. I've been a psychotherapist in private practice for 32 years now. Guess what, everyone? We all have issues. So it's time to lighten up and move forward. Let's stop letting our crap control us and take control of our crap. We are back. We are back. Hi, hi, hi. How are you, everybody? How's everyone doing? I'm doing good. Now, before we start, again, you can find Psyched by MG podcast on Spotify, Podcast Detroit, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, YouTube. Please, please, please go to YouTube and uh, hit subscribe. Um, And of course, Facebook, Facebook Live right here. Um, And we definitely need your likes and your comments and uh, you're subscribing to us. Um, that gives us great support to keep going. Um, and we are here today, oh my gosh, with the can wonderful- I quickly, Can I quickly just plug my podcast too? I was just going to do it in just a second. Oh. Go ahead, David. No, no, no worries, no worries. Well, uh, we got okay. David Wright with us. And, okay. and, and I wanted to first say, I'm so sorry to my co-hosts. I did not plug you in the last podcast. It hit me no after- my deep apologies because you get my hundred percent support. Oh, no wonderful, wonderful no David Wright. No worries. Go ahead, David. Yep, David Wright, uh, the Motor City Hypnotist. You can catch my podcast, Motor City Hypnotist Podcast, and it's it's up everywhere now. Great. We've been up Congratulations. Yeah. Look and for we, it. Subscribe. Take a listen. Please, please, um, please. We do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll just, uh, just give you a, a teaser of my latest two episodes, which are not out yet, but they will be. We talked about insomnia, and mm-hmm. also we did a fun one, uh, 10 movies that deal with dreams. Wow. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I, I need to go and listen to that one. And we got Barbara Manami. Hello, Barbara. Hello, hello, sister. How are you? I'm doing good. And 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 you've got your podcast coming out real soon. So yes, my podcast is launching tomorrow, August. <gasps> the, tomorrow's August the eleventh. It's the eleventh. Tuesday, yeah. August eleventh. Yes, it is the eleventh. My po- my, so the podcast launches tomorrow. It's a generic African auntie bringing you old world wisdom that you won't find in books and they don't teach you in school. Yeah. And this is out yeah. on Anchor. It's out on Apple. It's out of all the major yeah. podcast uh, platforms. Um, yeah. yeah, so please keep a lookout for it. You can connect with me and the podcast on Instagram at yes. Be Health Freak. So it's at... B-E-E, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, and freak, F-R-E-A-K. So I look forward to interacting with you guys. If you have young people, young women in particular, do, do tell them about this podcast. It has been created with them in mind. Thank you. Oh, yay. Yay, guys. Well, I just, awesome. I just felt so bad last week. I was, You could tell that I just got back from New York. <laughs> And I was so stressed out. Like, it was like one thing hit me after the other. And I got off and I thought, what was weird about that? And then I went back and listened and I went, oh, my God. Yeah. Totally forgot. You're totally forgiven. We know what happens in New York. Mm. Jeez. Hey, David, turn yourself up a little bit. Turn myself up a little bit? Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. All right. Well, we're going to have. How's that? Better? Yeah, perfect. 
Okay, cool. Now we can hear you because it's important to hear you, David. Yeah, I was, I was really loud in my own ears, so I thought it was- Oh, were you? Yeah. Well, are you at the office, David? I am at the office, yeah. Oh, I gotcha. Um, well, first let's check in. Like we forgot, I didn't check in with anybody last week. I didn't introduce anybody last week. What the hell? Oh my God. So how is everybody doing? Good, good. We we finally had uh, my son's graduation ceremony. You did. Better late than never. So what they did is they they had like 350 kids in his graduating class. So what they did is they did... 20 or 25 separate ceremonies over three days wow. just, to limit, just to limit the amount of people you know and then oh. they had it on the football field all the audience chairs were spaced out six feet apart and they had like 20 That's kids per group. that is so, amazing i am yeah. impressed what, yeah. what school was this steve Wood, woodhaven high school God, kudos yeah. to Woodhaven. What a great, great idea. Yeah. They did it the right way. And, and again, they did. it was a lot of work for them too. So again, I give them credit because they had to do 30 ceremonies. So shout out wow. to Woodhaven. That's what I'm impressed by. 30 ceremonies. Wow. Yes. Maybe it wasn't quite that many. It was between 20 and 30. I know it was a lot. That's still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about caring for those kids. Well, and selfishly for me, I didn't have to sit through a three and a half hour commencement. <laughs> it was <laughs> It was 20 minutes and we were out. It was perfect. Great. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Maybe they'll keep that model for the future. Who knows? I, I like it. I, I mean, yeah, I really want to give a shout out to them because yeah. that is the first I've heard of a high school mm-hmm. doing that. And if there are other high schools, please comment to us. Like and- I said, it was outside. It was on the football fields. There was, yeah. everybody had to wear masks that came, that, that were there. So it was, it was yes. really well done. Yes. Yeah. Green Hill School did it. Green Hill School oh, did Green it. Green Hills uh, did it June. too? And they did theirs in Gallup Park. And oh, so what oh. they did with the kids, uh, uh, this was uh, kids graduating out of uh, eighth grade, you know, uh, yeah. going into yeah. high school. Yeah. So my twins were part of that. And they had social distancing. They didn't Gallup Park, so they had a stand for hot dogs. Oh, I mean, oh. they did a whole big party for them, basically, as well. Yeah. And I thought that was so sweet because, you know, That's, you know, again, yeah. focuses the kids caring on these, mm-hmm. on these kids. Yeah. Shout out to Green Hills and, and yeah. please, you know, to people who are listening, if your high schools have, you know, done some really extraordinary things um, that we would love to acknowledge on air. So please put it in the comment section um, and let's definitely give them credit where credit is due. It's putting the Absolutely. kids first and Green Hills and Woodhaven I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very nice. So how you doing, Barbara? Girl, mm, I'm good. I have to say I'm good. I have had, I have had an amazing week. Um, like I told you, uh, I have two elders in the house. My mom's birthday was on Friday, as you know, so we were able yeah. to oh, her. Um, and then I got good news, uh, which is that my novel, which... I literally thought, I don't know when it's going to get published now with all this that's happened, but just got news over the weekend that we're still on track for publication for summer 2021. Yay. So super excited about that. Oh, uh, I have to it's a novel. What What is the novel about? Right. So basically I write what I call realist fiction and I write, I, I, I'm what I call a writivist. What's a writivist? An activist who writes, right? I'm one of those... Uh, 
y'all know by this stage that I'm a rebel. Okay, yeah. you all know that I'm a rebel. Yes, I am Viva la Resistance. So the novel is really set in Southern Africa and it's about an immigrant family that moves to South Africa because of economic conditions in Zimbabwe. And it talks about the trajectory of that move, at the, the horrors they find of having to live in what is called a squatter camp. Mm -hmm. uh, and all the horrors of, of that life. It's literally a novel about the intersectionalities of different injustices mm -hmm. uh, on people, you know, turning people from, you know, just economic refugees, political refugees, and throwing them in places where the horrors they meet there um, are just untold. So to put it in a nutshell, it, it is... It's a, it's, it was a painful thing for me to write, but it, it, it was necessary because these stories are not out there. But what I loved and enjoyed writing is being able to envision. That's what I love about creative writing is you literally can conjure up a world uh, as an ending in which that isn't the case. So it, while it, it starts out very beautiful the, the the kind of middle part is harrowing the end is beautiful it was um, it was a it was a labor of love it was yes. one of the most it was one of the hardest things i've ever had to do in my yes. life so far yes. um yes. and so yeah i'm looking yes. forward to talking a little bit more about it as, i can't as, wait <laughs> i can't so that wait. was that was my 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 good my good news uh since yes. we saw each other i think on friday and yeah, so, yeah. I think, you know, we should do a show on it. And because I think there's so many layers and so many issues that we could just go on tangents about. So I, I yeah, it, it, you will love it because you know the birth of this book, right? We yes. went on a writing retreat yes. together. And yes. <laughs> that was when we first met. How our friendship was formed. Yes. It was around the writing. And it was, um, it was. I had this strange editor and, and Barbara pulled me aside and she's like, she is silencing your voice. Yeah. He is just editing you to death. Yeah. And see, that's it. That's a rebel, right? That's a yeah. rebel. I'm like, yeah, that's not you. You don't sound like that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm all about giving marginal voices a voice, yeah. giving marginal stories a place front and center, because I think the more as human beings, yeah. we understand each other's struggles. Right. I think the more we can be empathetic and I think the more we can be compassionate, I think it just leads to, to a better world overall. Yes. You know, it takes yes. us out of our own individualistic way of looking at life and seeing that life is actually bigger yes. than what we perceive yes. or experience ourselves, yes. you know? Yes, so, absolutely. So Mary Grace, I'm going to put you on the spot. How's your, how's your book coming? Do you know, David, right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, thank you, Dave. It's, it's actually, you know what's so weird, and Dave, <laughs> we could really analyze this one, you and I. Uh -huh. I, it's pretty much done, um, and I haven't touched it. I haven't touched it, though. It needs to go to an editor. Okay. I have been blocking this for a year and a half to two years. I know. Oh, oh I'm on you. I'm coming after no, you. You no. <laughs> And it's, you know, and I think I told you, Dave, it's, you know, that perspective on men that I have yeah. that I don't think our field really sees their brilliance emotionally. And um, you're talking about men. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite fascinating. And, um, but the, you know, it started and it's in the context of relationships. And, you know, when I first started it and I first met Barbara, um, I wanted the book to be titled shut up and hold my hand, damn it. A hand yeah. for couples. And my first editor said, Oh no, you can't, you know, you can't talk like that. Like we've got to just like, what? you know, and she told me you don't make the title first. And then she started to go at, you know, I I'd written a whole book proposal and she basically threw it in the trash and told me I had to start over. I mean, it was editing. It wasn't editing. It was really some destructive. That was really, that was not editing. That was manipulation. Yeah. That's why I got so angry because I was like, uh, this is not your book. That's That's her book. That's her vision. You don't, you don't, you don't usurp someone else's vision. You don't kill someone's dream like that. So that's where I got a little, yeah. yeah. She was being a censor, not an editor. Ooh, well put. Yes, exactly. And she censored me to the point of paralysis. Yeah, that's what happens. A new writer, and when I first met Barbara, I kept saying, well, I'm not really a writer. I'm not really a writer. And Barbara, you know, Barbara, oh, she's like, you are not to say that again. Stop it. You are a writer. And I said, you know, you're right. Like I, my insecurities are in here big time and I am letting someone lead to the point where my voice was censored right out of it. There was no Mary Grace in the way she talks. And no, couldn't recognize it. It was gone. It was gone. So yeah, that's the way Barbara and I got. Okay. Your, your, your mission is to get it to an editor. Oh, you're right. You're right. And I have the editor that I can send it to. Like she's, she's been sitting in the wings all these years. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And you are writing a book as well, David Wright. I am. How's it going? I did a lot of work on it over this past weekend, as a matter of fact. What are you writing? Tell me. Okay. I'm, this is going to sound weird. I'm working on two different things. I'm working on one is, is more of self-help. It's empower your mind for success a hypnotic guide. That's my first one. I I got a couple chapters into that one. And believe it or not, I wrote one, I I wrote one chapter of a novel. I've, I've always wanted to do a novel. Well, you got a reader, right? If you need somebody, Mm -hmm. uh, listen, I, I love other people's words. If you need a reader, like a free reader, but a reader and somebody can help you craft I'm your girl. Oh, I'm your girl. perfect. Yeah, because I'd love to bounce off uh, without yeah. getting to the point where somebody has to edit. I, I just want to, it's really just flowing out right now. So oh, that's great. Awesome. You know, we need a night, you know, we, we have dinner, you know, yes, I'm a writer. Yeah. on the table and wine. Yeah. we Let's just bring our stuff. Yeah. You know, I have a time working on a new one and oh man. Okay, I, I've got the title. Okay, so these people who say don't have a title, I've got a title. My novel came out of the title. It's called Chief Demon Killed the Dream. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Be bold. I mean, that's my mantra this year is be bold and and don't hide it. You know, get it out there. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, we could talk about books all day. But- all right. It, it leads us into, because I think all of us, the three of us are definitely like this, but I, I mentioned last podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about the highly sensitive person mm. and empaths. 
you know, those people who have a gift and there's a book called the highly sensitive person. And Mm -hmm. I love this book because it puts this in the context of being gifted and a person who is an empath and anybody who's listening, why don't you think about this? When you walk into a room and you just sense something's wrong, you feel it before you even hear words. Like Dave, you and I know you walk into a sense into a session and you're like, Ooh, mm-hmm. something's up. Something's not good. Right. And it's that heightened sense, that empathetic empath- empathy, that heightened sense of that, where we emotionally pick up other people's emotions. And then when we start to talk to someone and we're, re- you know, we're highly intuitive, we're highly have the ability to feel it and sense it as we're talking to them. All of our focus goes in on that person. And the three of us do this all the time. We have that gift. This is why I think we are who we are. And how many times have you like worked with someone, talked to someone, friend, client, colleague, and you talk about this gift but we don't talk about kids who have the gift mm-hmm. and what I have a couple <sighs> what they need and what would guide them and what we needed as kids what the kind of guide you know we were and I'll speak for me you know you're so sensitive and you get up you get upset so easily or don't stick your nose in or you're the town crier i mean there's all these things that those children are called and especially if they're not in a family that's supportive of emotional stuff um they can be those children can be hurt and harmed and pushed out and labeled and their self-esteem gets the crap kicked out of it so I wanted to talk about that person um, focusing on kids, you know, younger adults that might be listening as well as adults that it is the first of all, it is a form of giftedness. I mean, Mm -hmm. absolutely. It's, you know, a a very um, wonderful gift, but if you don't know how to take care of yourself and you don't know you have it and you don't know how to work with it, you can get into codependency, which we talked about. I think um, a lot of empaths, um, unfortunately, can become very codependent where they don't develop um, a good, a strong self with limits and wants and needs and knows. I, I think this was, will also be good for the parents of those sensitive children to try yes. to understand more because, again, they're yeah. seen as oh, Johnny's really emotional. He gets really angry very easily. Not, you know, he's, yeah. he's always, you know, whining about something. And, and they, they, you're right. They see it as a, as a problem, not as a gift. Not as a gift. Yeah. And, and you just, you just identified, you know, some important things because yeah, the kids are labeled. Oh, he gets upset so easily. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. He always struggles in friendships. Oh, you know, every little thing bothers him or he can't let anything go. And really, no, you may have a very gifted child emotionally. Giftedness comes in all different forms. Right. You know, intellectual giftedness. We know the creative giftedness, but we don't 
fully embrace and understand the giftedness of a highly sensitive or empathic person. And I think that that is something to definitely address and talk about today. Mm. Barbara, you said you have two people that two young people that you were just thinking of in this household, my daughters. So Um, I want to tell you a story that is going to, especially parents listening, um, moms, um, this story is going to wow you. So one of my daughters is, she's, she, first and foremost, she's highly gifted intellectually. Like she's been tested. So Mensa type uh, yeah. levels. She's also highly sensitive. And I want to share a story. She weaned herself. So I was nursing her. And I think prior to weaning her, I was having thoughts like, you know what, I'm tired of this because her and her sister, her older sister are 18 months apart. So I just felt like I went from nursing one kid. Yeah. They're pregnant. Now I'm nursing another. Mm -hmm. And so by about month nine, I was starting to have that, like, Oh my God, I'm so tired of this. One night I started nursing her and I was having that, that same thought and of course your thoughts become your emotions and so mm-hmm. do you know what she did she looked into my eyes she burst into tears and she turned away from the, the breast turned away I was stunned and I felt terrible oh yeah she, she looked at me I hadn't said anything it's all here but also it's what was I was exuding she's that sensitive she turned away turned away she got off my lap and crawled to her grandmother who was sitting near me. And my mom said, what happened? I said, mommy, I, I don't know. I knew. Of course I knew. She heard me. She felt <laughs> me. She, she knew. Mom's done here. She's tired. That's okay. And she went and she curled up in her grandmother's lap. And I made her a bottle. She took the bottle and that was that. I yeah. made one more attempt. Mm-hmm. And anytime I went to lay her in that position, she struggled out of my lap and went off on her merry way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you- over the years she's done things now she has words to articulate what she's going through because um we literally needed to get her into therapy she's yeah. that highly yeah. sensitive yeah. and mm-hmm. picks up on things she she can be around people for so long and no more yes yes oh that's Even another very home. good point yeah. yeah they they get they are taking in the energy of other people in groups and it is overwhelming. Yeah. They absorb everything. And it she's is- the one who's thriving under COVID. Mm-hmm. She's the one who, mm-hmm. when school sat down, she is thriving. She's looking forward to her senior year because, she, because she'd come home from school like this. I'm yeah. so tired. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And she would have to take like an hour, two hour nap before she could do anything. Unlike my twins who are like, "Mm." one of them is, 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 is on that. She's not as, she's not as sensitive as um, my middle one, but she has it too, where she'll come out and hang out with everybody. She has to withdraw. So, and I, I'm an empath. I'm an extrovert type of empath. Yes. Yes. empath and we're the ones who stand the danger of real burnout and really yes. yeah. self-care becomes important. Yes. yes. So, I mean, I wanted to share some tips even like that I've put together for parents who, who for, for whoever's listening who may be an empath and doesn't quite know 
what to do. What the to boundary do. setting is really important mm-hmm. because I did become the codependent. I did become the person who, because I would, I would know somebody's needs before they knew them themselves. Yes. And so I would be the one literally offering yeah. to yeah. help somebody at my own expense though. It, it, in the end, it became really, really, um, it became really detrimental, not only to my emotional health, but even my physical health started to suffer. Because that brain, you know, we have to take a moment to talk about that brain of an empath. Yeah. Their sensors are saying, warning, something's wrong. Yeah. And so that adrenaline for that child, that adult is on it. It's on it and it's strategizing and it's trying to understand and perceive and digest so much information. And again, a lot of the information is not said. Mm. So they don't recognize how worn out they get. And Barbara, like you said, boundaries are the number one priority for an empath. And to get secure with boundaries, knows, limits, but you have to get to know yourself and you have to be able to label for the young people to label their gift, to understand there's nothing wrong with you. My daughter um, is very empathic and she is like your daughter, Barbara. And I wonder about your son, Dave. I mean, that, that they, they, she gets so worn out by groups and it's hard for them to fit Because with giftedness and anybody who deals with any form of giftedness with kids, fairness and right and wrong are extremely important. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the right thing. The person is doing something wrong. And that's the other thing that wears them out so much. And it doesn't allow them to kind of go into adolescence very easily because I always say it's like they have these old souls. Like to them, mm-hmm. when other kids are doing stuff that's wrong, they're like, that doesn't make sense. Like, that's just stupid. Why are they doing that? And so they can't go on the ride of adolescence very easily. And they get pushed into this parental role with these kids that are in their group. And they'll get made fun of. They'll say, oh, you don't know how to have fun. Or, oh, they're always judging us. Um, they just can't let go. And so they're, these poor kids are constantly dealing with this negative feedback and wondering how come I don't fit? Mm-hmm. How come I can't just play along and break rules and do things like everyone else? Well, you're gifted. <laughs> you have these special gifts that just don't allow you to do that very well. You have these receptors that take the information into your body in a different way. And I always say to, you know, even my daughter too, I think of her because she was just talking about this, like, God, it's so hard for me. Like, why can't I just do really stupid things like some of my friends do? And why can't, you know, I can't fumble around with a jerky guy like my friends do. And I say, you know, you're going to land well, the older you get your, your emotional self will kind of catch up to everybody else. And then you're going to feel like you belong. And for parents, they need to hear that because these kids need to know that they're not crazy 
They need to know that they're so smart and gifted. We have to acknowledge the strain and the stress that they go through. And they do need to integrate with different ages of people. I'm not saying to hang out with the 60-year-olds or the 50-year-olds or the 40-year-olds, but, you know, they will have friends that are upperclassmen. Oh, most definitely. In fact, my son, being an only child, even, even more of of a struggle for him. Yeah, he's he's well at home with an adult group of people. He yeah, works better. That's and, yeah, and, that's 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 my daughter too. To the extent that um, her therapist one day said to me, "Okay, intellectually, I'm I'm one on one with her. When we start having an intellectual conversation or discussion, she said, uh, most times I'm just like this." Mm-hmm. because the things that come out of her as a 16 year old the amount she knows and then she said and this innate wisdom that most times i'm doing double takes yeah she's yeah. very she's very measured in how she says things and they're not coming necessarily always from up here but from from a knowing yeah, yeah. because I'll, she was saying i'll ask her like how do you know this and then yeah. she'll go well i just know yeah and and so it's, it was great to find somebody professional yeah. who could work with her in understanding this gift of hers yeah. and work with her in understanding that the reason you don't fit in with your group is because you, you, you are so grown compared to where they are. Yeah. If we look in terms of, 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 of age group and maturity, you're, you're way beyond your years in development. Um, not of not because of any doing of yourself, but that's just who you are. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, she helped her in terms of channeling this gift mm-hmm. uh, and putting it to good use. You know, do you want to volunteer at an animal shelter? Volunteer in in a in an elderly people's home where you can feed them meals. She made a bunch of friends in there, like mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she's in her element around them. She like yeah. with my mom. Oh my God, she'll sit at my mom's feet and they'll, they'll, they'll go and they'll go because she's communicating with somebody who she doesn't feel like she has to explain herself to. No, no. Whereas with other kids, she would get like at school, you're weird. Yeah. Where did that come from? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, And that, that inability to do silly things or stupid things that teenagers do. She doesn't have that ability to do that. And so when they wanted to go and hang out, sometimes she'd call me and she'd say, can you come get me now? Because everybody wants to go to so-and-so's house and I know they want to go and drink and I'm not doing that. Can you come get me? My daughter's the same way. And I would go and pick her up from a play date and bring her home. Yeah. That for me was always astounding. She she was never and has never been prone to peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he senses danger too. Like yeah. even for her older sister, I remember one night she came at midnight and said, um, I can't sleep before Chi-Chi comes home. I said, come on, what's going on? She's like, something's not right, mommy. Something is not right with Chi-Chi. Now she and Chi-Chi are like my Irish twins, right? Yeah. They're very close in age and they're also very close. And my older one is not an empath. So it's almost like Kai is her guardian angel. Yeah. So I said, what? She says, can you just, can you call her and tell her to come home now? Mm-hmm. Well, I called Chi Chi and it so turns out that the group of friends she was with was 
coming from a game and they were about to go to someone's house and she said mom thank you i said that's when we created the code word system because i said what she says i gotta get out of here and now that you've called me it's perfect so i said okay just just tell him your mom wants you home so when she got home we were both up and i said what was going on she said mom they had Vicodin, they had, uh, they had, what is that one, the fentanyl, they had a bunch of stuff and they were off to someone's house whose parents were out of town and they were going to do drugs and I just did not know how to get out of it. And so Kai turns around and says, all you have to do is say no, y'all are dumb and I'm going home. Yeah. Because my older one couldn't, you know, she's a typical, she was a typical teen who wanted to fit in. Yeah. So she was struggling with how to get out of that situation. And her sister said to her, she literally came to wake me up and say, something's not right. You need to yeah. teach you. you. You did, you guys just naturally did such a good job. And, and I tell parents, you have to create a lie list with your teenagers. And the lie list is the lies that you are going to tell to get out of those situations that make you uncomfortable. Because they're hard for teenagers and just, you know, like your daughter, it's really hard to just say no. And especially if they're highly sensitive because they want you to be okay and be happy so that their no's are very difficult for them. And so I say you create the lie list to get out of a situation. And that I mean, it took Chi-Chi a long time to make this, these friends of hers, because you know what, um, the school she's in is not very diverse. And so again, as just the, the one kid of color in an entire class of say 90 kids, you know, and just having friends was huge for her. Yes. And so again, it's like, if, if yeah. I say no, then will I, will I not have these friends? That, yes. was, that yes. was the thing for her. Yeah. Whereas my empath over here doesn't care whether she has friends or not she, she, because she's just who she is. That's why for her, her answer was, you should have just said, I'm not coming with you. This is dumb and I'm going home. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't that easy for my other team, right. who is yeah. typical, quote unquote, in so many ways. Yeah. But I tell you, we couldn't have done that without Kai's gift. Yes, yes. Like and I said, I was fast asleep, and I was like, "Well, you know what? She's a responsible kid. She'll come home. She 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 was driving at that. She'll be home whenever." Um, yeah. Because curfew again was is very soft with me because my girls are really generally responsible. Yeah. Yeah. But we could not have done that without this empath child of mine who came yes. to say something isn't right. Yes. Um, I want to go back to the lie list for a second for parents. Um, it, it's really acknowledging for adolescents that they, they, well, we don't have adults that can be honest and direct. And so to be able to come up with the excuse, come up with the code word in a text um, you know, if a kid's offered a joint, I can't do it. I have asthma, you know, that's, oh, um, I, uh, you know, I have a respiratory problem. Um, I can't do, you know, Valium or Vicodin. I, you know, have a heart condition. Kids need to be given permission to do what they have to do to buy time, to slow down their impulsivity and to have an automatic reaction that keeps them safe. And when you're an, a child who is an empath, you know, you're, you know, my daughter's a lot like your empathic daughter where she's just like, no, no, I don't drink. No, I don't do this. No, I don't do that. Um, my son, who I think is empathic too, 
and he picks up everybody's emotions and he wants to be a therapist, he needs a different approach. He needs something that is just like, I can't, I can't, my mother's Italian. I can't, you know, I have a reputation reputation with these kids. He's like, my mom's old school. They're like, oh, (laughs) you know, they need that response to keep them safe. And the second part that I want to add to that is empaths have better impulse control when it comes to things that are wrong and not the right thing to do, um, where most teenagers have poor impulse control. That's a gift. That's a part of the gift. But other kids won't understand why they can be so level-headed and why they will want to always try to get in there and do the right thing. When an empathic kid doesn't or makes a mistake, we have to understand how hard they are on themselves. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I I have a horrible example as as a mom that screwed up just yesterday. (laughs) Like I said, I'm I'm coming off of New York. Okay. (laughs) Daughter, I have, okay. Number one mistake. I bought a white couch. Why I did that, I have no idea. But my daughter um, spilled coffee on the couch yesterday. And the damn thing, the coffee stain spread. And I was losing my shit, my shit. And I said, I'm just not okay right now. Your mom's still recovering from taking care of Poppy, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't realize how much my poor kid was affected by me swearing and being upset about the damn coffee on the stupid white couch that I just got a couple years ago. And it was later after I calmed down and I went to her and I said, I love you so much. And I'm so sorry. I just lost my crap. And she just first she had arranged for Stanley steamer to come to the house and told me she was paying for it. Oh, baby. Okay. I felt this freaking big for being, you know, bad or worn out mom. I shouldn't say bad mom, but worn out mom showed up for this highly sensitive kid who was so affected by me being upset by this goddamn coffee stain in the couch. And so I had to hold her last night and say, uh, your mom's basically a turd and she is so sorry. And I, I recognized, you know, her vulnerability and I needed to spend real good amounts of time just trying to build her up and to show her that, you know, me struggling with something is not a reflection of you. It really is about me struggling with something. And I think that's such a big differentiation for kids who are sensitive. And I think parents need to hear this because I've made boo-boos like that. Despite the fact that I am sensitive too, I've also found myself uh, being really insensitive. Uh, because I, my kids, even the, the identical twins, like I said, are so vastly different. So I've got these four teenagers now, all so vastly different. And sometimes it's very easy to fall into the trap of wanting to 
have a one size fits all approach to your kids uh, issues or whatever it is. And I've sometimes really come short when it comes to my empath yeah. in forgetting that she's not, she's yeah. different from the others. And the other three, there are times when I can just use one blanket way of doing things, but she, you cannot do that with her. Oh, and, and, I've, and, I've, and I've heard her uh, sometimes yeah. Yeah. with that lack of sensitivity and awareness on my yeah. part. And parents, you know, give yourself grace when that happens. But because they're so sensitive, please be sure and go and have a conversation yeah, about it in which you apologize. They're very big on that right-wrong thing. You got to apologize and acknowledge that you did it wrong. And then ask them how they can make it right. Ask them how they can make it right. They usually know what they need after that. The, the, the big thing I say to parents all the time, we're all going to screw up. We do. We're human beings. And it, you have to model that, take ownership of that and apologize. It doesn't matter what age they are, if they're five or if they're 15. Right. Set that example because they will learn from that. Right. Really, it really, to see a parent apologize and to see, you know, parents don't realize how powerful that is to the bond and that- yeah. And especially when your kids are getting older, you know, you're moving into that, they're moving into that adult maturity place, but it's respect for kids too. We screw up. The best thing to model is how to handle a screw up and to say, I'm sorry. And I, you know, like I told her, I said, Jesus, I was such a biatch. Honey, I'm so sorry that this was coming from not you and the mistake with the coffee. This was coming from I'm, I'm emotionally fatigued and I'm tired and I had, I'm fighting some burnout and this is what's going on for me. That wasn't about you. And it wasn't, I mean, the coffee's a pain in the ass, but I don't give a shit about the couch. I care about right. you right. and what I did with my intensity, because I yeah. have a lot of intensity, um, and she just, you know, cried and, and said, you know, I'm, I think I'm a little burned out like you and I, you know, need a day with nothing kind of coming at me. So we mm-hmm. had to strategize, you know, getting her her cocoon for a little while. Mm, um, you know, she's dealing with a lot. These, she's afraid to move back to Ann Arbor. She's petrified. Yeah. And, um, you know, she got all kinds of stress about you know, these poor kids with the COVID, you know, we keep talking about it and the empathic kid with, you know, and Dave, you got a son who's just going off to college this fall. He's a yeah. freshman. Yeah. It sucks the way this poor kid's going off. Like he can't just go to orientation, mm-hmm. go do your thing, dude, have fun. But, but in a way that, that plays into that part that, and again, not that he's, he's not antisocial, but he's as happy being alone in his room as he is yeah. with a group of friends. Yeah. So, so, they, and again, that's, that's too much of that is not good. Right. It's balancing but, it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, these kids really teaching them to communicate with you, giving them the words to use is so important so that they can describe what it is they're going through. Cause like, even when kids isolate, especially boys, really, you know, out of sight, out of mind with boys, you gotta, we gotta work really hard, especially with empathic kids 
to give them the words to talk about what's going on with them. Mm, absolutely. And I taught my son a rule out list. You know, did you get in a fight with so-and-so? What was lunch like? Um, did you get aggravated about this? Are you mad at mom because she set a limit? Oh, sounds like you're angry. And just constantly working the scripts, like, give me the words, give me the words. And for moms, <laughs> David's going to smile at this one, um, to, to watch how many words we say for them. You want to give them the words and then to do a pullback and sit in the silence, especially with the boy child, mm -hmm. so that he can step forward and speak and let his brain work and stretch uh, is so important for boys. I mean, I go through that with my son. I don't know about you, Dave, with your son too. Well, it's, it's funny because, because there, there's definitely, and, and this, this goes, I'm sure with, with all parents and partners and, and you, we, we have different ways of communicating. I communicate differently than my wife does. And it sometimes the way she does it is not right for him and he'll have a reaction. Some, some yeah. ways I'm not doing it the right way. So, so it's a, yeah. it, it's just find the right way to communicate with that child. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm so glad to know somebody else has a dog. Oh, you <laughs> That's baby. That's and then in fact, one of the things that I was going to recommend uh, for empaths in terms of how to deal with um, with 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 information overload and 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 all this other stuff that gets to them is a way of grounding yourself, a way of soothing yourself. Bailey was bought for my 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 girl. Her therapist was like, "Get her an animal," because and and. We got her a golden lab and she is so in tune with the movement in my daughter's emotions. She knows when she's tired. She knows when she's overwhelmed. This puppy will literally go there and she'll put her body across my daughter's feet. And you can see Kai will go like, nah. like, and I'm like, oh, endorphin release. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she will calm down from whatever's going on because sometimes you cannot leave uh, a situation that is um that has a lot of people or that that sensory overload she that's why she doesn't like going to malls uh, one hour in the mall and you can see that it's really starting to get to her but this puppy has been such a blessing and so i was going to say you know what if you have a highly sensitive child or you yourself are highly sensitive consider getting a fur baby yeah they, they are amazing yeah dave do you have a dog I, we do. And in fact, it's funny. It's funny, Barbara, you say that because even we, we, my dog's eight years old. So we would have had him when Ethan was 10 mm -hmm. and, and, and you could see it as soon as we had that puppy. And as soon as the dog was kind of used to us, took a few, yeah. but you know what I mean? Whenever he was frustrated, whenever he was angry, he would just curl up with the dog and just pet mm -hmm. him. That's and, exactly what happens here. Exactly the same just that that's the way he copes with his frustration and it's it's, it's fantastic for him yeah yeah, yeah. amelia is the one that we have two dogs because mommy after she had a hysterectomy and no more kids on mother's day decided to go to the public <laughs> got yourself a set of twins and in the weakest <laughs> moment i 
And then I did something to my poor husband that I would never recommend anybody do. And I had to apologize profusely. You know, the kids, of course, fell in love with this runt. And it was another Havanese and was holding this runt. And, you know, they were younger. And my son was begging him and just saying, you know, dad, dad, you don't have to get me anything for Christmas or my birthday. And, and my husband, you know, very calmly said, you know, I think we should think about it. I think we should go home and sleep on it. And, you know, what do you think, mom? And I said, well, I said, I think we should get the dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I said, but it's up to your father. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, that's hilarious because you know what we did? So my husband was like, no dog, end of story, no dog. You know, we're from Africa, dogs stay outside. The idea for him of having a house dog, he was like, no, no. And that's that. So he was away at a conference. And oh, you didn't. <laughs> I did. I did it. I did it. I did it. I did so do it. And you know who adores this dog? He was he livid. I mean, like... But yeah. when she came home and she pitter patted with her fat self, plunking, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know how they fall all over the place when they're little because they try to run faster than they can, yeah. their little legs. I could just see this transformation. Yeah, yeah. Love. I was like, oh yeah, oh I yeah. The doghouse, but I tell you, for two weeks before that puppy arrived, he wouldn't talk to me. Yes, yes. I mean. Yeah. It, it, I, I I had to apologize, but you know, just to let you know, the first dog, we had decided no dogs, like we didn't have family around. We, you know, we didn't get breaks much, my husband and I, and while we were visiting my family back in New York, all these Italians, they were behind my back telling my husband how the kids needed a dog because they all had <laughs> And so on the drive home for five hours, um, the kids were like, mommy, you know, Auntie Jackie, she wants us, she thinks we should get a dog and we can get a dog that's hypoallergenic and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, you know, your father and I, and my husband in the car said, well, I don't know, maybe it is a good idea. I looked at him like, are you flipping kidding me? And so that's how we got the first dog. And I said, we have to get the puppy in the summer because everybody's going to be home to puppy to wean this this dog so right well and it's funny how their responsibilities change because it's and i'm not against dogs i grew up with a dog yeah, yeah. always had one but but my wife was like oh we need it i really want a dog and ethan's 10 he would love the dog and you know we'll take care of it and i'm like okay sure you will i'm like i'm like <laughs> it's up to you guys but it's on you it, it's right your dog right who, who does that dog love oh yeah. mm-hmm me he yep. he yep. is my same ours. human and he just there you can see it i'll come in he is on me yeah, my husband's become the dog walker because yeah. he'll come in. has anybody taken bailey out and we're like mm, i don't know mm. and he's like see you can't do this he adores her and she adores him like she sees him she she goes nuts yeah, so he's I dog walker now he's Get the leash, put it on. And I watch sometimes and I just like, I don't say anything. I'm always tempted to, you know me. <laughs> I'm always tempted to say something facetious, but I'm like, no, no, no. he's walking the dog. It's okay. But he has, he's so invested. Did you guys feed Bailey yet? Yeah. And it's like, 
Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. So it's it's, yeah. it's just amazing. But definitely, I think the fur animals for the empaths go a long way. They really do. It helps. So just to kind of reiterate, you know, first of all, I really want to recommend the book, The Highly Sensitive Child for mm -hmm. Parents um, yeah. to really get, you know, an idea of what we're talking about and to really help them to get comfortable with wants, needs, limits, and knows with friends that, that has to be practiced over and over again, because that gift, you know, gets them so in tune to what is going on and what is right and what is wrong. And they step into this role of caretaker so fast. It's 10 times, a thousand times harder for that kid to have needs with friendships and the younger years are the hardest ones for them because they're constantly worrying about everybody and their decisions and it doesn't allow them to be as playful and joyful and spontaneous these kids like intellectual conversations that you know conversations that make them stretch yeah. Well, parents realize that, you know, sit down and have those conversations. And if you don't know what you're doing, say that, say, you know what, I noticed this about you and I have it a little bit too, and I'm going to get this book and I'm going to read it and I'll, you know, share with you some of the concepts in the book. But get one, of the, that, yeah, Dave? one of the great things about this book too, I just want to emphasize because parents sometimes don't recognize that, that when, when a child is highly sensitive the parents are probably very frustrated because of mm -hmm. they're they're so sensitive to everything. They, they're just like, kid, you're driving me crazy. And, and yes. you have to look at it's simple things. Sometimes yeah. it's something as simple as the TV is too loud. Mm -hmm. oh, oh. Or oh. they have a, sh a shirt on and the tag is just bothering it, them. Yeah. Not yep. verbalizing that. It's it's these yes. you have to look out. And there's a whole list in that book of things you can go through this checklist with your child. Yes. And 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 if, if they have a majority of these things, you know they're highly sensitive. Which is gifted. You can look at it that way and say, oh, yes. okay, I understand now. And that book gets into two sides of it. It's the real emotionally gifted side and the physiologically gifted side. Yep. You know, did that doesn't like certain foods because the texture in its mouth. Mm -hmm. um, like Dave said, the tags, the sweaters, the they can't take the pitch. They too, when they're in groups, they just get so overwhelmed. They're going to be kids that have one and two really good friends throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. right? They're happier that way. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And again, they're trying to manage getting overly stimulated because they're gifted. So that, you know, that's a, a really good, a really good point. Um, so, you know, I, 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 and also to speak to adults who deal with this, there's the highly sensitive person book, which I highly recommend. Um, and as you're listening in to, to really see, especially we talked about codependency over and over again on this podcast, that if you're codependent, you probably want to pick up the book. Um, because you, you have such a big heart and you have not enough self, <laughs> not enough knowing how to value yourself and to really learn to get good quality relationships by having a self, by saying no, by having limits, 
by saying to a person, no, I really, you know, I really don't like to do that. Or, you know, no, that, that offends me. I don't like that. To be able to communicate limits, no's, wants, needs, that helps you to know what kind of friend you have in front of you. Right. That person responds and cares enough and says, oh, I'm sorry. Or, oh, I didn't know that. Um, that's somebody who's not narcissistic. You know, that's going to be a friend who the relationship is two way. It's not one way. So um, really want to reach out. And I think the other importance of this show is the caretakers right now, the codependents are really worn out. Very, very, very worn out by everything that's happening. And good quality care is important. Yeah, Um, I was just going to say self-care too. listen to music, meditate, do some journaling, good nutrition, guys, whole food nutrition at this point. Try to limit the junk. It's got too many additives and chemicals that just add to a burden to an already taxed system. So these are some things you can do to to care for yourself uh, if you're an empath. Yes. And and Dave, do you think of anything specifically for men? You know, if you were to think. And and this would apply to anybody, but for men, if physical activity. Yes. Even even things like, um, you know, running people, a lot of people don't like to run, but even just lifting weights or or punching. I I can't tell you how many people I said, get a punching bag. Get a punching bag. Just, it just feels good. And I want one. That's that emotion out. Yes. Yes. I want a kickboxing bag. I think Mm -hmm. I'm asking for it for Christmas. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Good point. I'm more to that physical thing and and work out that adrenaline to say that they just more of a, it's it's a instinctual thing. I agree. I agree. Well, guys, we, we have to wrap up. Um, so again, everybody listening out there, please, you know, uh, get a hold of us on, on Spotify and Podcast Detroit. Shout out to Podcast Detroit. We have Jamie Flanagan, who was producing for us today. So I want to give a shout out to Jamie and say thank you very much. Uh, and then we're going to all see you soon. We're on you know, Facebook Live television every Friday night at 6.30. And uh, we hope you'll join in. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Mary Grace. Thanks, Dave. All righty. We'll see you soon. All right. Be safe, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.